Welcome to Canada's Real Estate Podcast, your compass to all things real estate. And now, here's your hosts, Carla Brown and Adrian Schultz, Canada's real estate experts. Well, we are recording this during the holiday season. And if Saskatchewan is like Manitoba, is like BC, where we just spent a week uh, on business meetings, there's sales everywhere. And <laughs> there's also real estate for sale and pre-sales. And pre-sales are the topic of today's episode. That being, for just for absolute clarity, what we're talking about is when a developer is developing real estate, generally speaking, they need to have a certain percent of the development pre-sold in order for them to get their construction financing, which is why developers will offer special deals for people to sign on a purchase agreement, which is kind of the pre-sale, before they go on sale officially, quote-unquote, when there's harder possession dates and timelines available. For a long time, investing in pre-sales was literally a way to make a living. Not so much anymore. Carla? Pre-sales, like if you just go back, you know, 10, 15 years ago in a lot of markets, no one would have known what a pre-sale was because when you went to go buy a property, whether for personal residence or for investment, you walked through that property. That that house or house or condo was new and you were walking through it. And then all of a sudden people caught on that actually, you know what, we could like sell and build at the same time. And because building has taken like years sometimes, you know, three to five years to get some of these projects up and running, it was a really safe way for developers to be able to use money along the way because they have different rules and regulations that they have to follow uh, when it comes to that and how they're getting those mortgage amounts and how they're handling those deposits as well. So that's another episode. Yeah. So pre-sales have as an investment strategy, were definitely a way to go uh, going back a few years ago. And now we're seeing that that is not the case. We're seeing just everything that has changed in the last, I'll say, three or so years has impacted these. And I know you've got some personal experience, not from a personal level, but you know some people who have actually really done really well in this. This is how the strategy they took for investment and I would imagine they've kind of got out of the game, right? Yeah, and, and let me further clarify what that meant. So they would sign on a pre-sale agreement with a developer, and then they would list that unit for sale as it was nearing completion with the intention of selling it before they ever took possession. So what does that mean? What did they have to do? They had to get a mortgage commitment or a mortgage pre-approval, call it what you will, for that unit, proving to the developer that they'd be able to close on the transaction. If that's two or three years old, they were qualifying at one, two, three percent, right? Interest rates currently in the, in the past few months have been in that five, six percent, always changing a bit of a roller coaster. But that's nearly double what they originally qualified for to make matters worse, those developments in many cases were then being purchased by first-time home buyers who themselves are experiencing more challenges being approved for mortgage financing. So there's a lot of different headwinds coming towards these pre-sale investors. And the other thing is about pre-sales is sometimes the cost of construction can increase 
during this timeline. And in some pre-sale agreements, and always use a lawyer when you sign one of those, if there is an increase in cost of construction, that can actually affect the people that bought in that pre-sale time. They may end up having to pay more than originally presented or assumed. Again, depends on your pre-sale agreement. But bottom line is, A, the interest has changed so much for the pre-sale investor. B, the buyer that would have bought that unit potentially, that, that's called the exit strategy for the pre-sale investor. They're having a harder time buying the unit. It's sort of like multiple different monsters attacking the same niche of real estate investing. And bottom line is, this is not the time unless you have liquid cash and you're not dependent on financing and you have, oh, what's what's the politically correct word? You have a lot of guts. <laughs> I'd say this is not a safe place to do investing right now. And there's so much more that's impacted here as well that um, some of our listeners might not realize. But we also have realtors involved in all of these transactions. So yeah. you have a developer, they probably have a realtor that's helping them with that property. So now they're selling to somebody who is now doing, a, you know, when they go to sell, it, it's called an assignment of sale. So they're actually selling something they don't own. So they're selling the sale of, of what they've bought. Uh, so there's some, you know, some complexity there. And then now they're selling involving a realtor. And now the buyer's coming in. So you have all of these realtor commissions, could be four different commissions that are in that mix. None of that, well, sometimes you'll do an advancement. They'll do an advancement of commissions on a certain portion of that pre-sale. But for the most part, the bulk of the commission is only going to be paid once everything completes. So if it doesn't complete, and this is what we're seeing, we're seeing it for a couple different reasons. Last buyer may be walking away because now they can no longer afford what they qualified for few years ago, they can't qualify for now. Or we're also seeing developers walk away because now they can no longer afford to finish and complete. And they've got all of these deposits. Like It's really messy. And now you've got all these people who aren't getting paid. So I would say there's a lot of heartache in the pre-sale world right across the board right now. And the the one thing that you mentioned that I want to re-mention because I think it's so important is that if you are going to get into uh, a pre-sale development, at some stage, either as the first buyer who's then going to sell uh, or the second buyer, you need to make sure that you have a lawyer that's very qualified in this area to really read through that agreement. Because I see it in, I know news and media don't always tell us exactly the way it is, but there's people in the news are saying they're out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars because builders aren't completing. And then I read um, another article that I thought was super interesting where the developer was advertising they were building a concrete building and now have gone to wood framing. <laughs> yeah, right? Which, which affects the insurance, which affects everything. Everything. but And so they're spinning it in a way that they just can't complete on time. And that could partially be, but I'm sure that this, this is a cost factor as well that's come into play, that it's going to be cheaper to do wood build than it is the concrete. And so now people who think they bought this concrete condo building are buying this wood frame building, which from, you know, as an investment property, also like completely different. So different product. It's like when we say buyer beware, you know, buyer beware and developers. Another thing I was thinking about, Adrian, is that there are developers who need some help now. And I do think that property managers can help them through this. 
So if their buyers are walking away at this stage they and they do have some finished product, we have lots of renters out there. So they don't might not know that property management world. We've had developers actually in the Ontario area come and like put up their hand and say, we tried to do this property management thing. We don't want to do it. Can you help? And, and we can, we can like work something out to make either make the sale more attractive for their investment buyers, offering some services up front or something like that. Or we can actually help get tenants into those properties so they can get some cash flow for a period of time till things change. It's the cycle. From a developer's point of view, I think there's some positive outcome to this. And that is the government of Canada is creating a lot of different incentive programs right now for affordable housing, but more importantly, for purpose-built rental properties. There's a lot of different financing solutions out there. And I remember a few years ago, having dealt with some developers that was that were converting their purpose to sell development into purpose to rent developments, filling up the, the asset with tenants, and then six or 12 months later, selling the whole thing to a real estate investment trust and actually coming out with way more return than they'd ever imagined from a condo sale perspective. So I think there's light at the end of the tunnel for that. And potentially even reverse, right? If for whatever reason in, in I, don't, I don't think there's anywhere in Canada where the rental market isn't doing well, but you do have the option also of, of the reverse, depending on what stage you're in, of turning a rental development into a condo development because there's a need. There's such a need for first time home buyer product where the average Canadian and especially the average new Canadian they came here with the dream to own a home. So I think there's lots of different uh, scenarios out there. And I'm always remembered of your of your power team, right? Having that realtor, property manager, mortgage broker, insurance broker, lawyer, accountant, having all those people on your side to make sure that you're making the right decision for the asset at that time. Yeah. So this episode's going a little bit longer, but I think there's so many things here for people to consider. And and the government does have a lot of incentives. Now, some of those do not apply the new incentives for developers of larger complexes because they were really honing in on how do we get more people into single family homes. But there definitely are some that they can look at. So I would say like if you're starting to to wonder how maybe this could be a strategy for you. There's a few different ways that you could go about it. So it's just going to take a little bit of research. Stuck is the wrong word, but if you're in a pre-sale right now, you know, get in and kind of see where things are at. And if you are having some trouble, whether it's going to be closing or whether it's going to be selling, there's always opportunities to spin it some way. I always think like we just sometimes need to think outside of the box and figure out how we can make this, make what a situation is maybe turned a little bit and kind of bring it back into play. So just use your power team, like you said, Adrian. I think there's lots of value and expertise there in order to spin it rather than just trying to always figure it out yourself. Now that's real estate in Canada. Thanks for listening to Canada's Real Estate Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a rating. The content shared is for informational purposes and reflects the opinions of the hosts. Connect with us online at canadasrealestatepodcast.ca. Today's episode is brought to you by Century 21 Canada, the gold standard in real estate. Explore listings, find an agent, and get advice at www.c21.ca.